This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. And what I've found in the corporate world is winning is fun, but winning big is the real fun because that puts us on the path to sustained long-term wins. In this podcast, I have incredible conversations with leaders from all walks of life all over the world. And that to me is important because our journeys are different. Today, in that spirit, it's truly a pleasure and an honor to welcome my VIP guest, Ryan Foland. Ryan is a high energy speaker and a consultant who specializes in helping business leaders to harness the power of authenticity. He teaches them how to create content that reveals their whole self to drive differentiation, growth, and loyalty. His 313 method uncovers core brand messaging to guide branding strategies. In his book, Ditch the Act, Ryan shares the art of being perfectly imperfect. And the moment I found and read about there's a way to be perfectly imperfect, I really had to talk to Ryan. Ryan also featured in Forbes, Fortune Inc., Entrepreneur, and more. Ryan, welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Ahoy. It's good to be here. I like secrets, but I also like sharing secrets because, you know, what good is the information if you can't share with others? Oh, totally. And what I've learned growing up, especially growing, you know, with my daughter as she was growing up, if I told her a secret, it surely went to everyone. <laughs> so let's get a lot of secrets out. Yes. We'll have to make up a new word for secrets that get loose. Maybe it's just knowledge. <laughs> I love that. So knowledge, you know, Ryan, I just want to start at the very beginning by this whole concept of perfectly imperfect. So where did you get with this concept? How do you use this to be comfortable to show flaws and weakness to build on this? Well, yeah, I didn't come up with the term perfectly imperfect, but uh, it seems to be a perfect fit for easily understanding the concept of being human. Mm -hmm. And in my book, we call this process to ditch the act. Funny side story is that we actually sold the book to the publisher with a different title, a title that we had used and we used with some of our clients, but it was, it could have been misinterpreted. They actually, McGraw-Hill actually bought the book as the title of Expose Yourself. Now we realized quickly that it wasn't the best because it could be misinterpreted, but really the idea of exposure and exposing your whole self, exposing not just the good stuff, but exposing when you're struggling and when things are going wrong, that truly helps people to see themselves in your story. That creates relatability. And when people can relate to you, then it gives them a chance to get to know you. And if you let people get to know you, especially in a business environment or corporate world, they have a better chance of knowing if they actually like you. And if they like you based on common ground and relatability and who you are as a person, then the next natural step is that they might trust you and trust can lead to loyalty. So it really plays off the old idiom of, uh, idiom of people want to do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And from my own personal experience, 
you know, I admit that there was many times when I would take the path of faking it to make it. I had uh, been told early on that people would judge you by your car. And so I took everything I had and overextended myself and I got a Rimini Red Range Rover with 22 inch Rimini Red rims. And it was a very expensive car. It was, it rivaled my mortgage. But I thought at that time, based on my mentors and, and sort of the way things were in the, in the early 2000s, the people really, if they see the glitz and glam, they're going to take you more seriously. They're going to say, hey, this guy's got a nice car. He's making money. Uh, I want to do business with him. But a lot of times I couldn't make the payment. I ended up getting the car repossessed. My house was foreclosed on. I had another Mercedes, an SL500 that that also got repossessed. And so I found myself at various moments during life where I would build up and as I would build, I would act as if, and I would, you know, really like suit and boot. And it's like, what you see is what you get. But internally I was struggling and financially I was struggling. And, and there's certain world events like 2008 that just cut the legs off of a lot of people. And it wasn't until I'd say within the last seven years that I really understood how bad that approach was. And sometimes with approaches, whether it's in business and life, they can work, but maybe they don't work as well as something else. And I think that's important because, you know, if you are investing in a fancy car because that's part of your brand and your image, that's fine. I'm not saying don't do that. I have discovered a way that works better for me. And that is to be honest. And at this point, like owning up to the fact that I had a car that I couldn't own, owning up to the fact that I was pushed to a point where I filed for bankruptcy only to get the package returned to me because I was 32 cents short on postage. <laughs> and that, that's a whole nother story. But I have found in my business and being a professional, and I think it's unique because I also am a full-time employee. I work for the University of California, Irvine but I also have my own consulting and speaking business where I speak around the world. And so I'm able to wear both of those hats, but I'll tell you, the more honest I am with my boss at UCI, if I'm having an off day, if I share that with him, if something's happening with my family and I'm open with him about it, he understands me, he understands who I am and we work really well together. So whether it's clients, whether it's an employer, I have found that when you ditch the act and you just, you share with people how you're feeling or share them with the struggles and share with them how you got to where you are based on your experience. It's a lot less faking it. And I found that that is what has helped me to make it to where I am today. Not faking it has made it. <laughs> so I love the honesty and simplicity with which you shared. So I have to ask a follow-up question is once you move from that world of faking to being honest. What did it feel first few days when you woke up in that new world just as Ryan and no one else? Yeah, well, it didn't happen over a day. didn't happen over a week. It's a process. That's the first thing to understand. And, you know, it took me losing my house and losing my cars. And I remember, I will never forget, sitting on the curb when the reality hit that, like, I'm going to need a new place to live. and calling my parents, hardly able to get out the words because I was so emotional and crying, like basically sharing with them that I've kind of led them to believe that I may be a little bit better off than I am. And that moment coming clean with my parents and finally being able to get the words out and them just saying, it's okay, come move back home. We're here for you. Like my biggest fear up to that point was that they judge me, that my friends would judge me. And I think judgment, fear of judgment, 
is what really holds us back from maybe being as honest as we should with our friends, even our loved ones, people who we're in long-term relationships with. It's just easier to like omit the stuff, right? And so you're not technically lying. You're just not really telling them that you've got bill collectors and stuff. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's one moment where like after that phone conversation and my mom just saying, Ryan, like it's going to be okay. I just remember feeling the sense of like, oh, and all of the emotion was pent up because I had sort of been hiding it. So it doesn't happen overnight. And there were certain moments in my professional career when I experienced the value of putting myself out there in that way. And very similar to that conversation with my mom, where it's fearful, it takes a lot of courage to say it and do it, and then you share it. And then after it's out there, what you think is going to happen doesn't happen. You think people are going to judge you. You think they're going to look at you as a loser. And in fact, it gives them an opportunity to relate to you. I mean, we've all had financial problems. We've all had problems with relationships. We've all had these. And so I want to be clear that I'm not saying if you're faking it now, just wake up tomorrow and be like, hey, I'm here and just like unload all of your baggage on everybody. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you look at your daily interactions, like this is one interaction here. My boss, I just had a Zoom with him. There's another interaction. I've got a client later on today. Talking with my wife is another interaction. And truly ditch the act is to be the same person in each one of those situations. And I think that we're not inherently saying like, oh, I'm trying to be fake. Like that's not our goal. But if we're with our boss, we might sit up straight. We might put on a tie. We might change our shirt. We might be a little bit different. When we're with our loved one, maybe we put our guard down more and we're just like more relaxed. So to ditch the act is not, I woke up. It's recognizing sort of the center, the keel, the through line of who I am and what I'm all about and what makes me excited and the good, the bad, the ugly. And when you can create that consistency, gosh, life is a lot less stressful. You're a lot less anxious and you can kind of interact in a genuine way across the board. And that translates to how you are on social. So it's not about just opening up and just like emotionally vomiting on everyone. It's about looking at sharing more than just the good. It's getting past the pleasantries and it's connecting with people like as a human. And if you're an executive, you are still a human. <laughs> uh, your employees might think you're not. And that's the value. That's what I enjoy working with people is to find those honest moments with themselves that help people relate. Yeah, so one of the things that stop us, and you use this phrase in your website, where you talk about oversized egos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, each one of us can see that in different phases in our career, we have experienced it. And, you know, some of us are guilty of also living that because we, as humans, we, it's totally okay for us to do that from time to time. So what is oversized egos? How does it impact the modern marketplace? And how do we deal with it? I think an oversized ego, a good definition would be showcasing your highlight reel and omitting a lot of the valuable information and experiences that you have. So how this plays out is that you may see what someone's posting. You may hear what someone's talking. You may see them up on the big stage. You may read about them and you're like, wow, this person is like, they haven't had any challenges. They're super successful. They're on clubhouse and they answer or they start off with, Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm a nine figure entrepreneur. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> so I think that an oversized ego is showcasing all of what would be your highlight reel, like all these, you know, accolades and features, but just like constantly. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a, a major impact. You have influencers who are maybe 
repping industries that it's more for the profit than the process or somebody who's obviously not fit, but trying to talk about fitness in a way that they're uneducated with, or somebody who's a business guru, who's trying to sell you a start your business and make a million dollars today. It, like, I think we start to sense the BS measure and we're like, I don't know, that seems a little bit too good to be true. And so if instead of your highlight reel, you look for moments of your experience that you can share in addition, like, hey, here's my car. You think I just bought it? Well, let me tell you a story about when I was almost broke, right? Like there's a way to give people the backstory. And if you create more moments that aren't your highlights and you package them together, then you actually put together a highlight reel, R-E-A-L. And the final thing I'll say is that, you know, there's the, like the pinnacle is being on the cover of Fortune magazine, right? You're like, there you are, you've made it. But if you actually read those articles, it's not like talking about all their successes. What people talk about is what went wrong and how can we learn from what you did? And that's the real connectivity. So I would say that an oversized or inflated ego, it will reduce your chance of being relatable. It will limit the amount of real valuable experience that you're going to share. It creates misconceived expectations. You set yourself up for failure. And then you see some of these influencers that get called out they get a big old piece of humble pie and then they do a YouTube video apology and crying and you know they're so sorry for it. And you're just like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really feeling you on that. So instead of a highlight reel, create a highlight R-E-A-L and just give people more places to relate. Love that. So changing gears a little bit, another thing that fascinated and intrigued me is the whole 313 method. <laughs> yeah. What is the 313 method? And can you give an example of an application of using it to make a big impact. Absolutely. When I first started my relationship with UCI, University of California, Irvine, they initially brought me on campus to launch their first ever undergraduate entrepreneurship program. And it's called the Entrepreneur Center because UCI, they're anteaters, anteater, entrepreneur, entrepreneur center. So it was just amazing to see the energy on campus with now close to 30,000 students having a place to go if they have a big idea. So as running the center, it was you know, face to face, meeting people all day long, different student teams. And I would ask them, I'd sit in front of a student team, I'd be like, okay, tell me about your idea. And every single time they would go, okay, sometimes it's an app like this, and it's going over here, and it's going to be, and here's what we're going to do this, we're going to change the world. And I would, at a certain point, I would be like, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> okay, in the shortest amount of time possible, can you tell me your idea? Just, I mean, like, we don't have that much time, right? This is, let's get to where I can help give you some feedback. And they go, oh, my God, and it, they would just continue to talk. And so when we're excited about our ideas, and this is sort of amplified in a student entrepreneur, we talk too much, we over-explain, we give too much information. And so as a process of trying to help create a formula or a structure to help them communicate in a short amount of time, I started playing with some different concepts. And so I would say, well, before you tell me what you do, let me ask you a question can you tell me the problem that you solve? And they'd be like, oh, uh, they tell me what they do. No, no, just tell me the problem that you solve. And we found that that was a really good exercise to start. And then once we got through that, I asked them, well, what's your solution? Okay, now who's your market? And for anybody who has a business sense, your problem you solve, your solution, your market, that's like business 101. But what I found over and over again, and not just with student entrepreneurs, 
But with well-established entrepreneurs, they had a hard time articulating those three core concepts. So I put restraints on things. Now, I'm a big fan of simplicity from stick figures to the way that you communicate. And think of the 313 as like a cascading set of Russian dolls, as the bumpers that you put in the bowling lane to kind of keep you on track. And so the 313 is a process. It's a format, a formula, a framework, whatever you want to call it, that helps you take your idea and put it into three sentences, one sentence, and three words. So it's a reduction process. And in order to simplify something, it's not easy. And so how this works in a real life application is that I believe the more you talk, the less people listen. And the less you talk, the more people ask questions. And when people ask questions, it creates connection and curiosity and conversation. And that's where really it is. And so I'm not a big fan of pitching people. I'm a big fan of engaging people and meeting them where they're at and, and having a conversation. So when somebody asks you what you do, using the 313 methodology, instead of telling them what you do, you can say, well, it's not really what I do, but it's the problem that I solve. And now the conversation's flipped and they'll say, well, what's the problem? And you can say, the problem is building a personal brand is one of the most confusing things you'll ever do because you're not sure where to start. You're not sure what order to do things in, and you're not even sure if you need it. That's the problem. And if you can get people to get on the same page about the problem, then it doesn't really matter what your solution is. What's important is that you have a solution for it. And so I was able to take this concept and go to hackathons and give a 313 training to all these startups who are creating an idea in the moment within 24 hours, but giving them the tools to formulate a cohesive and succinct way of saying, here's the problem that we solve, here's our solution, here's our market in three sentences, condensing it into one and or three words. And so I've got a podcast called the 313 Challenge, and it still fascinates me to this day how the simple concept of just answering those three questions is so difficult. And when it comes to your business or your brand, I believe a lot of people sort of skip that first step. They don't really lock in their core messaging. And if you don't do that, then your marketing messages might be a little bit scattered or your posts may seem all over the place. Building a brand like building a business, it's important to do the right things in the right order. And that starts with how you communicate what you do. Even to your employees, can they articulate what your company does? And so it's almost like a tuning fork for your messaging. And it's a process that people can follow to really whittle down to the core, make some hard decisions. And then once they decide, they can have clear messaging, their employees can sort of better communicate what they do. And so it's really a communication tool at the end of the day. So let's look at your journey. And you have a background in business econ economics and then degree in theater and arts. And of course, on top of it, you know, before the conversation, you talked about how you are a fitness passionate about fitness, and you are also a black belt. So, <laughs> how do you make Ryan? And what is the one thing that all these things built and made the Ryan in you? Well, I would bring it all down to a passion and a quest for simplicity. And that's that. it. That's what I'm all about. Simply being you, creating simplicity in your messaging. If you can make your concept simple, it's easy to understand, but it is not easy to make your concept simple. Do not confuse simple with easy. 
When it comes to say working out, right? It sounds simple enough, but it's actually a lot more complicated than that. So my wife and I, we work on the habits or the routines that we can fit into our lives that help to propagate the step-by-step process in the right direction. You know, a lot of people look for hacks and apps, whether it's building their brand or fitness or, or anything, right? There's an app for it. Is there a YouTube video? Can I just get there quicker? I really believe that successful people are not doing what everyone else cannot do. I believe that successful people are doing what everyone can do, but not everybody does. And so you have to find the own, the habits and the daily routines that support your lifestyle, what you want. And for me, being healthy is a big part of that. So we try to work out every day. Being hydrated, making sure my body is in good full operational order. And I like to stimulate my creativity. So I draw stick figures every day. You know, so each person is their own snowflake, right? I'm a ginger snowflake. And at me at the core, this quest for simplicity, I think that's one of the reasons I love to sail so much. I love that. Sailing. The whole concept of simplicity. So now building on that, let's go to this section where I call that rapid fire, where this would get three to eight word answers. And I'm building on your 313 challenge and your 313 method. So in three to eight words, how do you define success? Sustainable achievement of long-term goals. Love that. So again, what is the one influence that you have had that you are most grateful for? My parents, not only for them allowing me to explore who I am, but for exposing me to nature and the ocean at such an early age. Wow. The next one is you have shared a lot about the tough days in your life. What is the one biggest compliment or testimonial that you have got that really made you feel, you know, this Ryan kid is cool? It always is when a prior student uh, that I worked with in the past, and I still mentor students today, is when they send me an email or send me a direct message on LinkedIn saying, I have not forgotten about you. And as a result of meeting with you, you helped see in me what I didn't know that I had. And they share their success with the business that they have. So hearing from people years past since I've actually worked with them is amazing. I just, I love that. And also to me, I think I get that relating to the impact you make on somebody's life over a period of time. I love that. Finally, last question is with so much of your wisdom, if you could go back and talk to Ryan graduating from high school, what is the one piece of advice you would give to that young kiddo before he launches himself at the big brave world? I would definitely say that my answer is to realize that everything will not get done today. That is something that uh, I am recognizing and I wish I would have recognized earlier. Everything will not get done today. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. So this is a fascinating conversation. So is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners that I have not asked you already? Well, one thing that I get asked a lot is how do you get so many followers? And I want to answer that with seven years and over 50,000 tweets. (laughs) I just think that in general, people focus too much on their followers. And it's easy to do because it's a numeric measure that you sort of can judge yourself and you can compare yourself to your peers or people that you aspire to be like. But recognize that social media platforms are not, not relative metrics. If you were to get in 
on these platforms as they were launching, your ability to gain followers and traction is significantly different than if you were to sign up for Twitter today. And the reason for that is that these algorithms are actually supporting the business of the organization, of the actual marketing and development for the social media businesses. So I think we tend to think that, hey, this is a free space. Everybody is on the same page and I have the same ability to grow my following to millions of somebody else. But that's not correct, especially now. Look at Clubhouse for an example. That's a great opportunity of getting in early. And there are people that are getting a lot of followers because they're spending the time they're there early. And so I don't want people to judge their worth based on how many people are following them. I believe that the quality of followers is so much more important than the quantity. And not everybody has to like you. <laughs> they really don't. And once you realize that and you realize like you can only take on so much work. And here's just a quick anecdote. You know, I do, I have consulting clients and I, I coach people. I help them with their brands. I've got a number of people right now I'm helping with their TEDx talks. I only have so much time. Like I can only work physically with so many people. I've got a full-time job as well. And so there was, if you have this mentality, like I need more and more and more at a certain point, you're going to cap out. And so I would encourage people to not judge themselves by their followers and judge yourself by the relationships that you're building online and the, the engagement that you have with people. And I think that's something that's really important as you build your brand. You can't compare yourself to other people. And once you sort of get that, man, you're a lot less stressed and you see your traction sort of one step at a time. I think that brings the whole thing back full circle because we started the conversation with authenticity. And to me, that's what it is. The world doesn't need another consultant, but the world needs Ryan. <laughs> and to me, I think, you know, being the best Ryan and me being the best Arjun, I really think that's a great, you know, wraparound lesson for all of us. And I also love the fact that it's not the quantity or number of followers, it's the quality. So Ryan, let's say we move forward, fast forward in time, the year is 2030, we just have this incredible conversation one more time. Where would brand Ryan be in 2030? <laughs> Chances are I would call this a boat cast because I'd probably be on a nice yacht in the British Virgin Islands with my Wi-Fi that is just as actually stronger than where I'm at right now. Part of my long-term vision is to make sure that I blend what I love doing with what I'm good at doing. And I love to sail. I mean, talk about simplicity. It's like you, the wind, the ocean, but I want people to also experience that. And there's so much to learn from leadership um, to business when it comes to sailing. There's just so much nature can teach us. And so part of my longer term vision uh, at that point, I would love to be able to offer real private, I don't wanna say exclusive because I wanna be inclusive, but it's not for everybody. It would be for people who wanna go spend a week or two on an adventure somewhere amazing in the world while you're learning about leadership, you're learning about how you can communicate yourself, you're learning about who you are so then you can go back on shore and be your best self. So I would love that in 2030, I would be talking to you from someplace in the middle of the ocean with great Wi-Fi, by the way. I love that. I love that. And to me, I think life, the priorities of life are so important. I just moved into a new home in Houston. We moved from Denver and the movers are not here yet. And I realized everything my wife and myself we need are a mattress pad, folding table, and a few chairs. <laughs> Wi-Fi and a green screen. That's it. The very fact green screen and Wi-Fi was in our top five, it just made me appreciate the world we are in and everything else. 
Ryan, this is a fascinating conversation and I'm just wish you the very best in your journey ahead. And of course, I'm looking forward to the broadcast. It would be really cool. And hopefully I would be on a golf course somewhere. You would be sailing and we both would have a fascinating next conversation. So thank you again for a fascinating conversation. Thank You're you. welcome. And if I can, I kind of wrap this up because sometimes when I'm sailing, that's when I'm inspired to rap, believe it or not. And so I am a rapper. So I'll share with you as a wrap up, a certain rap, which kind of incorporates what we've been talking about today. Because here is the deal, let me give it to you real. The key to connection is to learn to be real because you are not perfect and neither am I. And that is the exact reason that we see eye to eye because everybody's different, but we're all the same. To be perfectly imperfect is how you win the game. And if you only showcase good and do not share the bad, you will miss connections that you never knew you had. <laughs> drop the mic moment. Drop the mic. I got a microphone right here, it'll, it'll drop. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you all for this fascinating conversation. And this is Arjun signing off. Happy listening and looking forward to bringing you another conversation with another leader from another walk of life real soon. Thank you again. Thanks, man. Great to be here. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Редактор субтитров А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова